Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Hockey Show Prospect Series. Hey everybody, Max Boltman here alongside Corey Pronman and Chris Peters of Flow Hockey. Back with another episode of the Athletic Hockey Show's Prospect Series. Our first one, gentlemen, all three in person. We are here in uh, Metro Detroit for the U18 Five Nations Tournament. Uh, it's very good to do, do one of these in person. Yeah, it's just nice to be in the same room to be, I mean, I don't have to talk over Corey. I can just look at him and give him the death stare right to his eye and that that seems to work. We'll see if it holds up uh, over the course of the episode. For you, the context for our readers, we are in my very tiny hotel room right now. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little too cozy with, with the three of us, but... We're making it work. It's like, you know, some, some male bonding time. And I think people can guess. Corey did take the one individual seat. Chris and I are, are couching it right now. We, we are totally couching it, and I've never felt better. It was a very comfortable couch, uh, very sturdy, and this is a palatial It, it looks hotel. like it was kind of made in 1940, though. It is. It, it's it, pretty old. It's I a little lumpy. I sitting on this bonus yeah, cushion. There you go. There it is. Now I'm the tallest one. Uh, guys, you guys uh, have both been following. Corey, you were at the U17 Challenge in, in British Columbia um, before you came here, and I, I want to start there uh, just sequentially. I think it makes sense. A uh, lot of stuff going on. And next year's draft class starting to kind of come into view. I know you put out your your way too early 2024 ranking. Let's start with one of the biggest names from that class, Macklin Celebrini. Yeah, and Celebrini, he's been good in that tournament. Uh, you know, obviously had that one highlight reel goal that that made its way around uh, the internet and had pretty good moments in the tournament, but I wouldn't say it's been his best tournament. I think why he's number one is what you've seen him do in the USHL so far this season. I mean, and 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 in past performances, I've seen him in two. I, this is a really well-rounded player, uh, high-end skill, offensive creativity. He skates well. His motor is really impressive. Uh, I was talking with some with some scouts at the at the challenge, and since then, I think you can kind of see some some similarities to how like a Nico Heischer type prospect looked when he went first overall. Like that really well-rounded centerman, uh, and he looks like a very impressive prospect. And what he's doing in the USHL right now for a 16-year-old, it's pretty rare. Yeah, it's very rare. I mean, as of right now, I think he's ahead of where um, uh, where Adam Fantilli was at the same age in terms of his production. And 
you know, I think as of right now, the thing that Macklin's a little bit more physically developed than some of his peers, he's got that strength factor. There's some good burst, you know, he's, he can make plays and all those different things. But the, the thing that I think stood out to me in the games that I did watch of, uh, of him at the under 17 challenge was that he just seemed, you know, more prepared than anybody in terms of his, his overall pr- uh, approach to the game, the way he was playing, how hard he was playing, uh, the competitiveness that he played with. And then also, you know, he had that big moment where he had the the viral goal that you can see on my Twitter feed. Shameless plug. But yeah. 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 Like I said, he looked to me like the best 06, that's 24 eligible. But I thought what was a theme for me when I was at that tournament is he might be the best 06, that's 24 eligible, but there's some really good late birth dates uh, that will be eligible in 2025. I mean, that James Hagen's. I'm not saying he's this, he's as good as Jack Hughes was at the same age, but there's there's some rhymes there. Uh, Roger McQueen looked excellent. Porter Martoni looked excellent. Uh, Logan Hensler and Dakota Rail Mullen are both really good late birthday defensemen on that on that 06 USA team. There's some really there's gonna be some high end guys that are late 06s going into the 25 draft. Yeah, no question. I mean, Hagens has 16 points right now, which is actually ahead of where Jack Hughes scored at the same event, um, and. You look at the way that he makes plays. He, he's he's scoring goals and he's got the assists. It's kind of a nice balance for him sure. right now. He's he's shown last night we we were watching the game and you know he peels off the boards and just a short a short side snipe that you know didn't have much room to get the shot through. Um, and then you know he just plays so well. You know he's the guy twenty twenty four is Cole Eiserman who he's playing with and he's scoring a ton of the goals. But I mean Hagen's is just the, the speed, the 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 vision, the 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 creativity that he has. I mean everything is a perfect pass. It seems. Yeah, like all those attributes, the skating, particularly his skill and his and his brain are are elite. What I liked about him when I watched him is, is the work ethic is really mm. strong too. Like he's he's five ten, but he's he was throwing his weight around. He's winning battles. He's he's digging in there in the traffic areas. And you know I think Eisenman's the same way too. Just, those two guys don't lack size, but. But man, they they're really good hockey players. Yeah, and the the two of them together have outscored Hughes and Caulfield, who had one of the greatest duo performances in that tournament's history. And you know, to see to see two guys, and they've only been playing together for you know basically a, a month, month and a half, yeah. and and they look like they played together for years and years. Um, basically, anybody and Charlie Pardue has been the guy that's that's gotten to play with them a lot. What a great thing to to have to be, you know, he's played well. Um, you gotta be a good player to kind of be the the third the third wheel on that line too. Um, but those two guys are just on, operating on another level. They've they've doubled up scoring on I think they're twice as many points as anybody that's even close to them. So pretty remarkable. One of the things that stood out to me, Corey, scrolling through your, your 2024 list, this 2023 class, I, we've all been a little nervous. Where are these defensemen gonna come from? That does not look like it's going to be the case in 2024. No, and, and I think there are defensemen coming in 2023, but but not of the echelon that we're seeing with the 24 class where, well, starting with the 06s that were there, Sam Dickinson and, and Charlie Ellick looked like two big mobile defensemen with, with, with who will have good enough offense. Maybe Dickinson a little bit more offense than Ellick. Uh, Ellick can be, a little bit, you know, maybe a little bit, you know, better defensively, but but both excellent players. Obviously, you have Aaron Kivahardu, who's who's with the under twenty team right now, pushing to make Finland's World Junior team as a sixteen year old. Uh, USA's got some really good defensemen. Will Skahan's excellent. EJ Emery's excellent. But and then on the late birthday, arguably the best defenseman in that draft, at least my opinion, is the best defenseman in the draft is Artem Levshunov, who uh, 
Uh, I think Chris just saw him last week. He's off to a crazy start in the USHL. He is, yeah. The game that I went to, he was playing at Cedar Rapids. He had five points in the game. Two goals, three assists. Um, dangling guys at the blue line. He's plays physically. He had some good good body checks. He's strong. He's big. He skates well. Skates very well. Um, and just to see the maturity that he plays with at the, at his age. And this is a guy that was playing Belarusian U18 last year. It's not the jump from that to the USHL is gigantic and he managed it beautifully and is also now he's the second leading scorer in the USHL among defensemen. He just turned 17 uh, late October. So he's physically advanced. His brain is very, you know, he's got great hockey sense, but man, he is so confident on the puck and certainly one of, you know, I saw Owen power play in that league in his draft minus one year. And I was feeling like, wow, this guy is on that. He's on that plane. He really is. I, I don't think it's it's hyperbolic to say that. I think he is, especially this early in the season, that was a special performance. I obviously got to see his best game of the season to date, but other games that I've watched of him, he is a factor in every game he plays. We were talking about it at, at the U18 Five Nations the other day, Chris. I mean, what would it mean for the USHL to produce another you know defenseman of this caliber? I mean, power goes to college, obviously, in his yeah. draft year, but still produced him. Either of you guys can weigh in on this. What would this mean? Well, also, if you look at the one thing I noticed when I was kind of making making that early list is the USHL presence at the top. Yeah. Celebrini one, Lefshunov two, Iserman three. Doesn't mean that's how it's going to go a year and a half from now. That's A lot's going to change. But early on, it looks like the USHL has a very strong presence at the top of that draft class. Very much so. And it's and this has been a trend. We're starting to see more younger players come to the USHL. Adam Fantilli obviously was, you know, a late birth date who wasn't going to be in the league in, during his draft year. But, you know, Owen Power, same thing. And then you've got all the, obviously having the NTDP there, it really boosts the numbers. But you're seeing it with the other teams. We saw Andrei Svechnikov yeah. um, play in Muskegon. Ivan Rostoshenko was actually supposed to play in Muskegon, couldn't get the visa figured out, but that would have been another high, high-profile player. I think what the USHL is proving is that if you are a 16-year-old player that is of an elite caliber, you're going to have a place to play. It's going to challenge you. You're going to be able to play a, a pretty high level of hockey, and it's going to be very competitive for you, and it's going to help push your development to the next level. And I think with Lefshunov, what's going to be interesting is where he plays next season. Because I think in a, in a traditional setting – he probably follows that Ivan Provorov path where he plays USHL Cedar Rapids, I yep, believe, correct. when he was 16. Mm-hmm. And then he went to Brand in the Western League when he was 17. Currently, Belarusians, which which he is, are not allowed to play in the Canadian Hockey League. So it begs the question, does he play? Is, can he go to the Canadian Hockey League next season? Does he go back to the USHL? Does he go to Europe? Does he? I, I can't even imagine a way he gets to college right away. But, but there's it, it'll be interesting to see what path he takes next season. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I just wanted to, to that point. So um, Lev Shunov is, is a really interesting case, but I think we look at Cole Sillinger came back. He, he had to play in the USHL because the WHL was kind of shut down. He comes back. He's still a first first overall or a first round pick and plays in the NHL the next season. There is a path like that was not common. Jack Hughes did it. Then, then Sillinger did it. So there is the potential even if he's not, you know, even if say he gets real comfortable in Green Bay, likes what he's doing, he's got a good coach there, Mike Leone, you know, maybe things work out well for him. I mean, there's a chance that he could stay even if Belarusians are allowed to uh, play in the CHL. I hate to go off on a tangent, but we're doing a podcast, so why not? What is going to happen with Cole Sillinger this season, you think? Because, like, he's not playing very well right now. And I believe, so usually when a guy drafted out of the USHL, he would be able to upset the American League. I believe, though, when he was drafted, the rule said he's a medicine hat draft. So 
they can't send him to the American League. He's got he's got to play in Columbus or go back to the WHL. That's a really unique situation right now for a guy who has something like 100 NHL game experience already. Yeah, that is bizarre. And I, I think you're right because I'm pretty sure it had to be a loan, a mutual agreed to loan that, that he would have to go back to Medicine Hat at some point if he didn't make the NHL. So, yeah, so that's a very different situation. And and because of the player agreements in the CHL, those are binding. So that's uh, that's interesting. And maybe kind of a part of a, a case for Levshunov to stay in the USHL because eventually he then, be, you know, if you're drafted out of the CHL, you are subject to that agreement. If you are drafted out of the USHL, you can go to the AHL. Yeah, that was a point that actually somebody made to me as well is that Levshunov is at, at the at the level where potentially the next best step for him after the, was to go stay in the USHL, be AHL eligible, and potentially go from the USHL to the AHL. It's actually something that Zemgis Gergensons did. Um, when he was actually supposed to go to Vermont, but he ended up going to the AHL. I mean, he's been a long-term NHLer. You know, is he? He might not produce like a first rounder, but he's been a Buffalo Saber for the better part of yeah. the last decade. You know, so uh, there is a there is a case to be made that Levshunov's best path is to to remain in the USHL. One more guy from the 2025 uh, draft I want to touch on, Corey, is Michael Misa, who I think fans are pretty aware of. His name has been out there, obviously, with the exceptional status. Uh, what have you seen from him? Yeah, he was. Really good there at the U-17 Challenge. They had a line of there of him, uh, Berkeley Cadden, who I think will be a top pick in the 2024 draft. He was the number one pick in the WHL Bantam draft uh, in his respective age group. And Porter Martoni, who I also highlighted as one of those top Plato sixes. Uh, Misa is an ex- a tremendous skater, ton of skill and individual creativity. Uh, he's, he's a great player. Maybe not the biggest guy, but neither is Hagen's. Uh, they're they're both small, really dynamic players. Misa's kind of been on the wing though at that tournament. Hayes the center is Misa for sure an NHL center. That could be maybe a little bit of a debate going forward. He's been on and off, but he's with being a center of Saginaw, although he's only 15 years old. So I kind of presume at some point they'll move him to the middle full time. Yeah. But no, he's a great player. And the one other player I would think people should know about from 24 is is, is Ivan Demidov. A uh, small winger playing in Russia, but he's putting up, up outstanding numbers, similar production at the same age to Mafe Michkov. Uh, just you know, elite skill and, and scoring ability. And and we'll see, and because of the Ska organization, we'll, we'll see where we are with him this time next year. Uh, but he's a guy people should know a lot about. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, let's go now, guys, to the tournament that we were all at this week. Uh, you guys more so than I was with the Red Wings on a homestand, but I made it out to a couple of games, uh, the U18 Five Nations in Plymouth. And the story coming out of it, at least from my standpoint, was USA's big guys looked like USA's big guys. 
Absolutely. Their top line is centered Will Smith. They've got Ryan Leonard and you've got Gabe Perot. And they're all on all on the same line. We're talking about two high, high end elite, you know, thinkers of the game in terms of Will Smith and Gabe Perot. They they are have great vision. Then you've got a little bit more of the brawn in Ryan Leonard, who's can play a strong game, but tremendous skill as well. Scored the goal of the tournament so far and a and a high end goal scorer. So he thinks the game at a high level as well. It's just that he thinks it a little differently than the other two guys. And they have been as dominant as I've seen a U.S. line in any international tournament. I mean, they have just absolutely owned this thing. Yeah, I mean, they look like the Harlem Globetrotters out there. (laughs) Some of the creative stuff that Smith was trying, same thing with with, with Perot, they just vibe off each other so well. I agree with Chris. This this might be the best USA line I've seen since uh, Jack Eichel, Sonny Milano, and and, and Alex Tuck. Maybe not the best in terms of overall talent. You know, obviously any line that had... Jack Hughes and Cole Caulfield on it, for example, would have been better. But in terms of the way these three guys vibe off each other and some of the tic-tac plays they were making were just, was just so impressive. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens when, as the year progresses, when we get to, you know, see you know those full age groups. Not all the best players are here. Some of them are trying out for the World Junior teams right now. And we get to a Canadian U18 team. But this has been a very impressive group. And I think... That first line is really impressive. Oliver Moore is really impressive too. This team's going to get a lot better because I think they're that USA 06 group, as we've mentioned before, has a ton of really good players. And I think you're going to see four, five, six of them on this 05 team by the second half of the season. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. A couple of the guys that, that stood out to me in the game against Finland, I mean, obviously they score seven goals, right? But uh, Ryan Leonard, I think you think of him as kind of the, the gritty piece of that top line, right? He has this end-to-end goal where he goes coast-to-coast, turns two defenders inside out and scores. And, and Oliver Moore is a guy who I think you, you always know the speed stands out. There was a goal he scored, Corey, that you know he takes it the length of the ice, wraps it around, and I kind of look back at you as like a wow he also unleashed a, just a fantastic shot a few minutes later. And that was something, you know, you, you look at him and he, in production, trails that top line a little bit. I think he's got every bit the talent of those three. His skating is awesome. It's the same caliber of skating as when the Hughes brothers were with Team USA. It's it's game-breaking skating ability. And if he was on that line, you take out Leonard, take out Perot, you put him in there. He would have – his numbers aren't great right now, but you put him on that line, you put him on that top power play. That guy has so much ability. He'd be – uh, uh, lighting it up. And I think you could see a scenario where James Higgins and Cole Eiserman is on his line at some point in the second half of the season. And, uh, and I don't doubt that those three would score a couple of goals. And, you know, I've talked to NHL people here who think Morris could be a top 20 pick, top 15 pick. Uh, don't let his numbers fool you. This this guy is a, is a really impressive player. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one thing that I noticed from last year to this year, he's gotten a lot stronger. I think one of the knocks on him was that he wasn't a very strong, wasn't he? Did, wasn't hard enough on pucks. Wasn't now he's got the speed and some strength too. He's not. He's still not a big guy, but he, he but he is a much stronger than he was last season. And that strength training that he's done, it's made him a better skater. Even he's he got even more explosiveness this year. I think when we saw that wraparound goal that you talked about, I mean that's a that's as good an outside burst as you're ever going to yeah. see. And and really, I think he's taken his game to another level. He thinks it as fast as he plays it. And that's the other thing. You have to be able to, to manage that. So I, I think that what he's done, especially as a second-line guy, where he doesn't have necessarily the – he's got good good players around him, but not the level that, yeah. that Will Smith does. It's pretty impressive. Are we concerned about USA's blue line at all? Uh, <laughs> see, it's a very interesting thing because they – 
certainly over the years, the blue line, there's always that one guy, at least that, you know, there's the Jake Sanderson, there's the Luke Hughes, there's somebody like that, that is going to be a a high, high end guy. I don't think they have that this year. They have some good skaters. They have, you know, they have some guys that can play, but it's, it's certainly, you know, you're not going to hear a lot of USA and and that's kind of, that's a lot of this draft class. There's just not a lot of D in this age group, it yeah. seems. I mean, I like Fisher. I think Brady Cleveland's good. Yes. Z- Zeev Boyan will be a nice player yeah. in the following draft. But, I mean, he, Cle- I like Cleveland. He's big, mobile, physical. But as a shutdown guy, he hasn't been very shutdownish in the, in this tournament. I and mean, he's just maybe just an off day or two. He's I think he's a, he's a good player. Uh, but you know, you, again, you it's it's hard not to watch that 06 group and seeing oh man, Skahan's really good. Emery's really good. Dakota Rayon Mullen's pretty good. And thinking oh. You, even Cole Hudson could be is is really good already down there. I'm thinking they could use like three or four of these guys essentially. Yeah. Is it too much to ask for to think the U eighteen? You talked about the potential of Hagens and Eiserman getting called up later in the year. Do you think it's too much to ask for a D that young to come up and make an impact with the eighteen team? No. Yeah, not at all. And I think that in the, in in previous years, I remember when I when I was actually working at the NTDP, I think we shifted an entire blue line, or not an entire like we three or four young guys came up from the. The age group it was like John Merrill and uh, yeah. you know guys like that, that that we had to bring in to to help boost that blue line and you know and that that's the way that it hap- that's the way that it it goes and I think as Corey mentioned you know there's there's some other elements too you get a guy like Skahan who has the size and the the physicality factor you've got Hudson who is uh, as good a puck mover as anybody on the on the current team one guy that we didn't talk about in this age group that I think has had a good Five Nations tournament in particular is Aaron Manedian. Um, he's, you know, and it's, again, he's not, is he a high end draft pick? Probably not, but he's a guy that will get drafted. He's got good skating ability and things like that. But to Corey's point, you know, you have, and and the the tough part about being at the NTDP is you have tough decisions to make with guys that have made the commitment to be there for two years. And so you don't make those decisions lightly and you don't just make them to make them, but you do take the best team possible. USA hasn't won gold in the last few years, so there's a little bit more pressure this year to to find a way to win that tournament. You look at the 2001 age group, that loaded 01 age group, and when the 2000s were going to the 18s, it was kind of the same situation as this as the as the 05 right now, where they had three to five really good players, and there was a steep drop off after that. And then you saw them bring up Jack Hughes, Cole Caulfield, Alex Turcotte, Cam York, and Spencer Knight to all play prominent roles on that team. So I don't think it's unprecedented. We can see that that kind of makeshift. Uh, with his age group. Absolutely. How about Team Sweden? I mean, this is probably the next most talented team at the tournament after the Americans. A couple bigger names, you know, Otto Stenberg and, and Noah Dover-Nilsson. Uh, what did you see out of Team Sweden over the course of the week so far? A couple games left. So it's really interesting when you talk about Stenberg and Dower-Nilsson. Because if you just do a quick Google search of the two of them, you would think Dower-Nilsson is four times the player Stenberg is, based on just what they're doing with their J20 team. I think Dower-Nilsson scoring nearly two points a game with Frölunda's J20 team. And on the same J20 team... Stenberg's like, I think he's got like nine points this year in 15 games or something like that. It's a very underwhelming number. Very. But if you would have seen them with a uh, Holinka team and then here at this November tournament, you'd be like, oh, wait, no, Stenberg's the guy. What are you talking about? And, and not that Darwin Nielsen hasn't looked impressive. I think he's looked quite impressive here. His, his skills really high end, but, but Stenberg just buzzes whenever he's out there. So competitive and fast. He's showing pretty good skill to scoring ability. Really nice goal he scored on Thursday. 
I think both of them will look impressive, but it's really interesting comparing how they've looked internationally to how they've looked with their club teams. Yeah, and that's part of the t- tough part of evaluating as well is when you you see them in those settings and maybe it's just a, a better fit one place than the other. You got to, you know, that's why we watch the games to, to continue to try to get the context of that. But I, I agree. I think Stenberg, you know, his skating ability, the skill that he's shown, he's, he's getting inside a lot more now too. I think that he can... At times when he's not going, he's a little bit more perimeter. When he's going, he's getting to the middle. He's getting inside. He's, he's diving in there. He's got the speed. And, uh, yeah, he scored a one-time goal last minute of the game where they needed a win against Finland. And he he was out there and he scored that goal. And, um, yeah, it's – to me, I think that, you know, I had Stenberg ahead already. And I think a lot of it is based on the international play. I am underwhelmed by his, 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 uh, his J20 numbers at the moment. But I think, you know, total package of skills, he's got a little bit more – but um, it's an interesting team. They they do have some other players as well. Um, you know, Noel Nord is is a guy that I was high on coming into the tournament. He's kind of underwhelmed me a little bit here. He's a big guy with some skill, but he, he hasn't he hasn't made enough of an impact. Skating is kind of an issue, and right? Skating is an issue there, absolutely. You know, which it can be with the bigger players. And then uh, Axel Sandin Pelica, who actually got an A rating from Central Scouting, very good skater, top power play guys, point putting up some points here. Mm-hmm. Um, he's already played seven games in the SHL this season. He's getting stronger, better, more mature. Um, he'll be an interesting player as well down the line. A debate I was having with a scout at the game today about him because I think that's the debate with Sandine Pelica is he's good. We clearly see he's good, but the question is: is he a dynamic five eleven defenseman to be a first round pick? And the True. question I posed to a scout was: where is he compared to Niels Lundqvist at the same age? Oh, that, what did the scout say? <laughs> uh, he said he was. He said he said he was similar. But in the same breath, saying there were questions about Niels Lundqvist going into the draft, it's why he went late, late one. A lot of teams had him as a second round pick, only some had him as a first round pick. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see where he ends up. I think he's a better skater than than Lundqvist. You think he has as much offense? I don't think he has as much offense. That's the thing. I think he's a better skater, but I I, I would question that he that he it's, has the offense. I think with Lundqvist at the same age, the question was still the offense. Adam Bokfist was the offense guy at, true, in, in true. that age group, and then as time went on and. Lungfist got the the SHL ice time, and the, you're like, okay, no, wait, never mind. There's there's a lot of offense here. Yeah, I'll be interested to see because Sandin Pelican, like I said, he's seven seven SHL games. He's played some, you know, he's he's done very well at the U20 level. But yeah, we'll see if he gets more games and he gets more minutes. Yeah, yeah his, know, then, his numbers are like really impressive. I think really, he's, like, yeah. he's a point per game. I think he's scoring like a goal every second game or something like that. Yeah. It's it's a lot. He's shown a lot of offense at the at the J twenty level. Yeah, really interesting player. Anyone else you guys want to spotlight from from this U eighteen tournament? Maybe not the, the the strongest Finland group in recent memory. You know, Emilio Venti comes in as kind of the bigger name. I, I know for me in the two games I saw, Jesse Kiskinen was kind of their best player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Jarventi's still probably the, the higher level prospect. Well, maybe, you know, I, I think the, the, the issue is right now that with this Finnish team is like, are any of them high level prospects? I, I would say at this, based on what we're seeing here and, and kind of based on the evidence, no, I, I definitely was a Yarventi believer before. Um, but, you know, and it, I was talking to a scout yesterday and there was an interesting comment about how, you know, he actually played in the USHL for a little bit last season, Emilio Yarventi. Didn't play very well. Like, you know, he was fine. He was fine. It was, it wasn't, but it just wasn't impressive for a guy that you say, hey, is this guy really a you know, first round pick. And I did rank them on my flow hockey draft rankings. Um, and I I'm here and I'm like, I don't think I should have done that. You know, like, you know, but that, that, that can happen in these early, sure. it's still early, but to, to Jesse Kiskinen impact in every single game that he's played, he's leading the tournament and scoring with seven points. He's scoring not just goals, but nice goals yep. where he's drag and shoot kind of around players. Um, and the work ethic on him is pretty high. He's also the captain of the team. Yep. He has taken his game to another level. So 
I'm looking at, I think we got a lot of like maybe second, third, fourth round guys on this team where, you know, there's a chance Finland gets shut out of, of the first round this year. Yeah, sorry, I was distracted by the Houston Astros firing their general manager. But on another completely different topic, I would agree. I think I think Nurmi and and Keith Gann yes, are, Nurmi as well. Are, are, I think those are the two guys that I've noticed most consistently, and I don't think either of them are top prospects, but they're cause, mostly because of the, their size. But they're but they're good skaters. They have skill. They work hard. Could be like could be like mid round picks. It's worth noting that the big guy from their age group, Casper Haltunen, is with the 20s right now. But even him, like, he wouldn't make... Oh, that's right, yeah. They won't get shut out of the first round. (laughs) They will. Well... This this team, this U18 team will, probably, but Casper Haltunen is... Yeah. You think? uh, He's kind of looked pretty... Not great to start the season so far, but, you know, it's a long... His whole kill was pretty disappointing, but he's got a lot... He's got first-round tools, for sure. Uh, and, And we'll see... But and overall, his, this age group isn't great. I mean, Haltuna himself wasn't great when he played with this age group in, in, in the summer. So, but but that's the one guy you wish you had here. Something, somebody that looks different because all those forwards on Finland were like five eleven or smaller. Essentially, there yeah. were, there wasn't a, there wasn't a lot of different elements that teams had to prepare for with with that Finland yeah. age group. Yeah, absolutely. Anyone from the Czechs or, or the Swiss that you want to shout? Out? I know Matteo Wagner had the had the one nice goal in the first game, but yeah, I mean, not not really. I mean, I, I there. I, the one Swiss guy that I've liked is Eric Schneller, their defenseman who's been on their top power play and plays a lot of minutes for them. But, you know, like that's we're talking about mid-round, late-round kind of players on both teams, really. Um, you know, nobody from the Czech has really stood out at this point. They lost to Switzerland in the last game I was at. Um, so, yeah, it's it's it, not, maybe not, not a great year for, for them, especially as it looks like. Except... We should know. We should know. Michael Harabel not at this tournament. Uh, the Omaha Lancers goalie. So you know that that's another factor as well. Michael Harabel and and Shala. And Shala, yeah, exactly. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 
All right, fellas, let's bring it home with the mailbag. Uh, first one is from Dara to Jane. Uh, if you could talk on the pod about Hughes, Nemitz, Casey coming up and what this means for the Devils, uh, generally perplexed as to how they should deal with this embarrassment of riches. Good problems, finally, in New Jersey. Right. I think one of those don't belong with the other two. <laughs> but And there's no disrespect to Seamus He's Casey. having a great year. He's, having, great he's year. been really impressive. He might have... He might have played his way from like an outside chance to make the World Junior team to being in real consideration to make the World Junior team, being you know, uh, or at least you know, you know, I'm not sure he's on the team or not, but he but he's in the, the conversation. Yep. But those other two obviously are, are premium prospects, and I think it'll be really interesting to see what New Jersey does with their power play when all those guys get there. Yeah. I I think you're looking at Colorado kind of doing this, you know, different maybe caliber of players. You know, I'm not saying any of those guys are killing the car or, or anything, but. You know, they have what Colorado has, Kale McCarr and Devontae's and Sam Gerard and Bo Byram. They're just like, you know, why don't we just try a three defenseman power play unit and, and see how <laughs> it works, essentially. I think with these guys, you're going to kind of see that kind of vibe. We're like, hey, our most skilled players are defensemen. So, you know, let's just play our defensemen a lot on the power play. I think you can easily slide Dougie Hamilton over to the flank or something, right? And you put Nemitz up top or Casey up top, whatever it might be. Uh, you could slide him over the flank. I think that works out perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the, you know, the other thing that you have to remember is that these are these guys are not all arriving at the same time. Right. It's going to be staggered. You know, Casey, as good as he is, it's going to probably be a two to three year situation at, at Michigan for him. Sure. Um, Luke Hughes, you know, he'll be coming out next year. Probably jump right in your lineup. Simon Nemich, you know, we'll see. He's got to he's got to develop a bit more. The scenario I probably didn't think too much about in the preseason is. Meaning, with you know, with the Devils being prominently in the playoff races, can Luke Hughes join in the spring and figure into a playoff team? I mean, he's going to have to play better than he has so far this season. Sure. But yes. I mean, like the same way that Kale McCarr did, and then all of a sudden you've got another weapon on your on your lineup. I mean, we saw Luke jump into the World Championship last year at the end of the season, and he was one of the better defensemen for USA when he was getting the minutes until they brought in more veteran guys, but. If if he's if he's better, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think I think Luke is kind of on the Kale McCarr plan or even the Quinn plan, you know, where yeah. where it's it's basically get through the season and then you know you'll you'll move into the NHL immediately. McAvoy did the but, same thing, yeah, exactly. So you know, um, and and yeah, and I think it'll be good. And and even you know, depending on what the situation is with with New Jersey and if they are in the playoffs, I mean, I think you have to consider that you know he's going to be in the mix for that. All right, let me play potster here because. Leading up to the draft, we talked about, oh, could New Jersey move the second pick for help? You know, everyone knows they need a goalie. At what point, if you're the Devils, would you consider shopping a Nemitz to upgrade your your plan in net? Because, is, you know, Vanacek's been good. You still need to be better probably in goal to be a real contender. I, I It's it's an interesting debate. I'm not sure how we trade Nemitz for a goalie right now. That's, that's, a, yeah. that's a big piece, unless there's something else involved in that. Yeah, I think I think you especially yeah, when you get these these young defensemen, you want as many of them as you can. Like you get as many as you can and you'll figure it out later, but you know, it's still very early in the process for him. He still needs to, you know, he's still finding his game in North America, still figuring it out in the AHL. There's a long development tail. Like, you know, if if at some point you feel less certain about his projection, then maybe you consider it because other teams might not have that yeah. same outlook. But maybe still. maybe it's something like a Holtz or McComadoulin or something like that. That's a, that's a center yeah. piece, but yeah. you could, with first round picks. But yeah, I think trading Nemec at this state that that'd be a. And again, I know they have a lot of good defensemen, but it would that would be tough for me. 
All right, fair enough. Uh, Logan Horn, how good do you expect Matvey Michkov to be when he joins the NHL in about three and a half years? Will he make a Kaprizov-level impact, Chris? Yes, I, I, I think so. I mean, the difference is that he's not... We'll, we'll kind of see what his physical development looks like. Kaprizov took many steps to transforming his years. body. And more years. To transforming his body to being a much more hard hard player. Like, he is, he is strong on top of being a great offensive talent. But, I mean, I think that the way that Matt Mitchkov thinks the game, I think his hockey sense is, especially offensively, he understands how to play at the highest levels. And he is, he thinks the game ahead of a lot of players. Right. So, I mean, that's, I think, I think, yes. I think a Kaprizov level where he's a, a potential Calder, you know, Calder Trophy winner um, is, is, is absolutely within his capabilities. Right. And I don't think that's what the question was asking in terms of like the direct style cover role. Cause I think they do play a little bit differently. Kaprizov, yeah. Oh, for sure. Kaprizov is a faster player. He's a more, much more competitive player. Whereas Mishkov has pure skill, hockey sense, scoring ability. I almost look like to how Pasternak looked when he first came into the league. That's the kind of player I kind of envision Mishkov, where he's just this really dynamic scoring winger with, with elite skill. Um, and, and obviously that would be a very impactful player. Well, but we'll see how he does over the next few years. Still kind of fighting to make his way into the KHL, although Scott is loaded and winning, yeah. winning games every night. So, so that's going to take some time, but, but we'll see where he is in three years. Yeah. And, the, but I do think like, you know, Kaprizov comes in and immediately transforms Minnesota, transforms the entire outlook of their organization in one season. Sure. That to me, with the years of pro that the Mitch Cobble have by that point, I think you. I think that's what he'll do. That's a great point. Like Minnesota before Kaprizov came looked like they were kind of like in that middling. Not sure if this is a good team. Not sure if this is a rebuilding team. Getting kind of old. That he comes in. There's some excitement. Although this season maybe that middling question is, is is back a little bit with when losing Fiala. I think some Wild fans are concerned. Or are we just a bubble team again? But but Kaprizov definitely did transform just the thought of the team. And yeah. there's 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 a possibility for this team to be a winner now. Well, Absolutely. and they're playing with about. You know, seventy-five percent of a salary cap too, which isn't making that any easier. No, uh, Quelly Ford. What are your thoughts on Joachim Kamel's season so far? It seems like he's having issues creating chemistry with his centers. Kamel's uh, production actually a little bit down from his draft year, mainly in the assist department. Right. Um, but it is a little bit down as, as we approach kind of halfway to the number of games he played last year. And he's never really been a, a big assist guy ever. Uh, but he's playing with the U20 team right now. He's playing, uh, all, you know, a massive role. He's going to get top line, top power play duties at the upcoming World Juniors. And uh, I still think this is a guy with a ton of skill and he can score, and he can score goals. But I think that was kind of the concern with why he fell to 17 in the draft is teams look at him and say, yeah, he's got skill. He's got goal scoring ability, but he's this 5'11"-ish winger, good, not dynamic skater, not an outstanding hockey sense. Can, can he drive a line? Does he need somebody to drive a line with him? I thought he could drive a line. I thought the compete always looked pretty strong, but that's the debate. I think he will score more as the season goes on, but it's fair to say pretty much since like December of last season, he's kind of been on a bit of a cold spell at the club level. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think, I think with him in particular, uh, especially with the style that he plays at his age, like you got to wait, you, like don't get too bent out of shape about where he's at right this second, because there is going to be growth. There's going to, but to Corey's point last year started hot and then tailed off this year. He's kind of on that same, same path, but I still think that I'm, I'm a fan of the player. I think that all the experiences that he's going to have, being able to go to the world juniors, being able to be a, a, a go-to player for them, you know, you just have to remember he's still 18. There's a lot of development time left. 
Um, and the Liga is a tough league to play in. It is not an easy league to score in for a teenager. Um, yes, you know, you you look at it relative to his draft year, but I just don't think that, you know, I'm not, I'm certainly not concerned about where he's at. I don't think it changes my projection at all of him. A couple of kind of conceptual ones here that, that I like. The first one's from Bruno Lauren. How does a player's performance during his draft year uh, really improve or hurt his stock given all the data that's been gathered in previous years? In other words, how do you differentiate abnormal performances from a player that's regressing? Ooh, what was the first part of that again? Sorry. Basically, performance during the draft year obviously is going to improve or hurt your stock. Yeah. But how do you weigh it against the body of work that you might have seen over, you know, when they're in their U-17 year? I, I, I could start with this one. So it, it obviously is a balancing. And it depends, I think, particularly on the, the case of the player. Mainly because players play different types of leagues, different quality of leagues, different types of track record to deal with. What do I mean by this? An example would be, say, Cam Allen this season, who had, was a top pick in the OHL draft, outstanding 60-year-old season, but those players in major junior end up getting big roles, important roles in their draft season, and they're supposed to be the guys that help their teams win or lose games. And whether their team is winning or losing games is largely on their shoulders. So you look at a guy like Cam Allen, who's playing a big role on Guelph. Guelph isn't winning a lot. He's not scoring much. That's concerning. But then you look at a case like, say, Danila Yurov last season, who's in the KHL on an elite team. He's barely playing. Is that a concern? Yeah. You would like him to push his way to a more regular lineup spot. But that's, you know, that's one where you kind of look to the previous years. You're like, ah, oh, man, you know, I've seen him do some really good things in junior at the U18s, U17s. And you can kind of put the whole picture together a little bit. It really depends on the particular context. College is a great example. Dylan Holloway didn't do no, did nothing in his draft season at Wisconsin. But you looked, you're like, okay, man, you have that Holinka, you have that U18s, he was the AJHL MVP. Yeah, he, look, he looks like there's not much offense this season. That's going to be the debate with Charlie Stramel as well this season, similar team. Uh, but that's the way you have to kind of balance all those things. Yeah, I mean, c- context is always important too. Like, what is what. You know, like especially in the year off case, yeah, he wasn't playing a lot, but look at the team, look at the opportunity. Was it a great year for his development? No, but it was also still, you know, we we had a good body of work on him. And that that's why, you know, I, I always take a look at that U sixteen or U seventeen season a lot, you know, as I'm evaluating a player, but I can't knowing how much changes in that eighteen year that U eighteen season for a player. And and also, you know, whether they're playing professionally or whatever else, like the, the context matters. So that's a, that's another reason why, you know, visual like actually watching the games does matter, because when they do get those opportunities, you know, are they still showing the good habits? Are they still showing that there is, a um, you know, the compete level? Are they showing the different things like that's that's the things where, you know, you, you say, OK, well, this guy's down. Why? You know, is, is there a reason for it beyond he's struggling and at this age most guys are not significantly declining in their development there's something else there so having the full that's that what makes having as much of a big of a picture as you can on a player means a lot all right kind of a this or that one from we brister uh would you rather have a player with elite skating but no puck skills or a player with a ton of puck skills but horrible skating I think we probably ideally need a little more information here on, on this player, yeah. but conceptually, do you have a gut feel on this? No, neither of them sound all that enticing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, like, the thing is, is, a player with good puck skills, if they don't combine that with, you know, the vision, hockey sense, and different things of how to use it, then then it's it's worthless. You know, like... Great but beer it, leaguer. Yeah, great beer leaguer. Great, you know, like, that's the difference between a guy that might be playing in the ECHL and the AHL, the AHL, the NHL. 
Those are the different things that they come in. Great skating is always going to give you a chance. It is always going to give you a chance. But if you can't finish, you can't play. So basically, that's that's why you you know without knowing is this player intelligent or not, you know that that's a that's a thing that or I what's think the compete for the great skating? Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like that's the thing is, you know, I guess if you're if we're saying this or that. I'd actually be interested to hear how court this or that skating or puck skills. I think in general, I would take the guy with puck skills, but I think the guy with the elite skating is actually going to play in the NHL. Uh, when I see this question, I'm almost like, it might be the difference with the size and everything else kind of impacts my decision a little bit. Like when I think of elite skating, no puck skills, I think of like Colton Gillies, for example. Or Darren Helm. Yeah, guys who actually play in the NHL. When mm-hmm. I think of guys with terrible skating and elite puck skills, I'm thinking of like Taylor Camerata or like, you know, or like Nick Patan or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Like, you know, like guys, guys like that, where it's just like, and I mean, I, my mind goes to them being small. If they were 6'3", maybe they're Jason Robertson or something like right. that. But like it's. Yeah, that Jason Robertson's always been kind of my example of the guy who's just not a very good skater, but and I think he's improved his skating, oh, oh. but still, I, uh, I am getting tired of every shitty skater getting compared to Jason Robertson though, because there's only there there aren't there's only one of him in the league, so right, not, not, yeah. all, not all of them could become Jason Robertson. No, no, but at least you know sometimes when there's a bunch of evidence like there was with Jason Robertson, sure. you need to actually listen to the evidence a little bit more than your eyes sometimes. Sure. All right, next one's from Dude, who says, there are some Habs fans stressing or upset the team is winning because they want Bedard, Mitch Cover, Fantilli. I maintain it's a good thing that guys like Suzuki, Caulfield, Doc, Gooley, Harris, even Slavkovsky are playing well and winning some games. What are your thoughts? Chris, let's start with you. Is, is it okay that the Habs are off to a surprise start? I mean, yeah, it's okay, but, you know, they still have a ways to go yeah. to build a core, yeah. you know, but they do have, like, there's a lot more there than, you know, like, and, and I think that, I think about times when there have been teams that have had like those those really good young cores and they just got their heads kicked in for, you know, weeks on end. And that, that, you know, that creates a different level of culture. I think that happened with the Buffalo Sabres where they would and they didn't necessarily have the core. Like, I I still think that the the Habs may need that next level star. Like, I think Nick Suzuki's sensational player. Is he a super is he a superstar player? No, no. Same thing with Cole. Same with Cole Caulfield. Same with. You know, and then now you've got your second level guys like Doc. And then you know, I think Caden Gooley is going to be a very important player for them long term. They still need I you, you may not need the guy, but you're going to need somebody. You're needed. You're going to need somebody to be that guy that carries it. So, you know, I if I'm a, if I'm a Habits fan, I don't want them to outright tank. But I also would love to have a, a high pick in this draft, particularly in the top four. Well, I would tell dude that don't be too concerned because I think the losses are going to be coming eventually. <laughs> um, but I think with my, this Montreal team, when I've watched them, like I guess when we looked at the roster initially, especially that, that decor we looked at them initially, you're like, oh, this is going to be a train wreck. This, this team's embarrassing. And I think they haven't looked embarrassing because those kids have played such important roles and look the part for the most part. Like, Caden Gooley's been awesome. Awesome. Right away. You know, Jack High, the puck game's a little inconsistent, but he looks like an NHL player right now. Kirby Doc's having a hell of a year right now. Yes, I mean, I know he's on the wing now, not at center, but Kirby Doc looks like a really nice upper part of the lineup, big, skilled, fast type of forward. And I think we were talking about this the other day, Max, about Chicago. I think you look at Chicago; they they give they they they, they, they trade Kirby Doc, give Dylan Strom away for nothing, give Kabalik away for nothing. 
they better kill it at the draft right now. Because those, and I understand they're they're trying to tank. They're trying to trying to get the young pieces. They got three first round picks. Yeah. A, lot, a lot of picks in last year's draft. They'll have probably a lot of picks in this upcoming draft. But those are some good players having good seasons right now. Well, to tie a bow on that, who would you rather be right now, Montreal or Chicago? It's, I think it's Montreal, Montreal all day. All right? day. Yeah, all yeah. day. And so, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it's okay. The one thing I'll say, I saw Montreal uh, earlier this week. What I wouldn't like if I were a Montreal fan is watching Jake Allen outright steal games for me. <laughs> That's what I would not like. Yeah, that was, that was Chicago was watching uh, Alex Stalock steal games yeah. early in the season. I was yeah. like, this is not going well for them. <laughs> Slavkovsky, like, he's not been amazing but he's having good flashes we talked about this podcast like a few weeks earlier about he might have to get sent down and i'm not sure i'm there anymore like no, i know yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, you know we'll see where he is by the 40 game mark but he looks like an nhl right now mm-hmm. we had one earlier on, uh, on a, whether a player could have a kaprizov level impact fly guy ox says will nikishin reach kaprizov levels of hype if you had to say why he cannot be a number one nhl defenseman what would be your reason so he's talking about alexander nikishin who was a third round pick by carolina a couple of years ago and this guy is really interesting. He was at the Olympics last year for Russia, played a top four role on that blue line, gets traded in a massive, massive deal in the in the offseason in the KHL from Spartak to Ska. And he's been arguably the best defenseman in the KHL this season. He's putting up huge offensive numbers. He's six foot four. He skates well. You can just Google, you could Twitter search or Google search Alexander Nikishin hits, and you'll see tons of clips of him just lighting guys up. You know, to answer Fly Guy's question, I kind of think he's trending in that way right now. He yeah. look, he looks like a true top flight D prospect right now. The question isn't how good he is; it's when can Carolina get this guy in his lineup because Scott just extended him. But man, like he he looks like the total package. Like you look at like say whatever like Jake Sanderson type of prospects. Like this guy looks like the next one, if not above those type of players. Yeah, I, I was just having a conversation about Nikisha with somebody else in hockey this week. Just and I, I hadn't I hadn't watched a lot of the KHL games yet this year. It just hasn't been enough enough guys to to do that. But he's one guy where it's just like I, I feel like I need to get in there more. But he is yeah, I agree with Corey. Like he is he ha- he checks so many of the boxes right now. And you know, it's just like, coming down to he's yeah, producing. Yeah, yeah, he's he is he's producing. It's, it's yeah, like, it's like twenty points in thirty games or something like that. I'm, something I'm looking at him, I'm looking at him right now. Twenty two points in twenty eight games, and, so, and and he's playing massive minutes, and that team's winning every night. It's yeah. it's it's really really impressive. Again, for this is a third round draft pick, and uh, like I said, it's it's just Carolina is just got to be asking, okay, well, when's he coming? Essentially, because because we we could use some of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, on that blue line, he would just be—he'd be a stud. I know they—they they need some good players. Jonathan P <laughs> wants to hear your thoughts on the early season progress of Sebastian Kosa, Yaroslav Askarov, and Jesper Wallstedt. Possible ETAs on their NHL debuts. I don't know that anyone's—any one of those is going to be kind of imminent. Maybe, yeah. maybe yeah. Wallstedt, the I, closest. I, yeah, I think all three of them are pretty good, but they're all kind of been iffy in the American League to yeah. start. It's—it's it's not easy for those goaltenders. And I think with time, they all get there, but it could be a couple of years. Yeah, I think, you know, what what Detroit is doing with Kosa right now is real interesting. They've kind of yo-yoed him between the AHL and the ECHL. And the most important thing for him is to play games. And Toledo is a really good ECHL team, so they've been able to, you know, give him really good good starts. And he's played well in that league. Um, but, you know, the other thing, I, I always think back to when Carter Hart was, was in the AHL. And he didn't necessarily light it up in the no. AHL. And I, I've talked to a few goalie, um, you know, uh, uh, evaluators over the years and they said it's actually very difficult to play in the AHL because you do have there there can be such 
some nights you've got those teams with a lot of veteran players that are going to be able to, you know, kind of pick your defense apart. You're going to, you're going to see a lot of quality shots and different things like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I think where they're at, they're also, they're all right where they're mm-hmm. supposed to be. They're playing games. They're getting opportunities. So I think that's a good thing. In, I was, in li- I was living in upstate New York when Vasilevsky came over for his rookie season there. And he was terrible in the American league for like the first few months of the season. Like it's, it was definitely a transition, and then he kind of took off there yeah. afterward. There. Yeah, it's a it's it's not it's not it's not the easiest transition. I, I know one. Well, somebody was telling me about Spencer Knight in particular, where it was like he anticipates the game at an NHL level, and they the games that he was playing in, they weren't really necessarily playing at an NHL level, and so things weren't happening the way they were supposed to, basically, and so like that kind of messed him up a little bit at times. But yeah, it's really interesting to see. I think all three of those guys are still. On the starter track, they're you know they're going to need time to develop. It's going to be fine, but uh, don't read so much into their numbers in their rookie AHL season. I think in in general, it's not going to be a, a great indicator of future success. All right, Peter G wants to know: Can you talk a little about the defensemen at the top of this draft class? Corey, you kind of teased it earlier. Some kind of starting to emerge here, but Cam Allen off to a slow start to the year. Good starts from Price, Lindstein, Sandine, Pelica, Fisher. Who are emerging for you as some of the top 10 D to be off the board this summer? I think the guy he didn't mention that is kind of pushing the most is David Reinbacher right now. He's an Austrian defenseman playing in Switzerland. I think he's got like 10 points in 20 games already this season. He's just was, he was playing a uh, top four role for the Austrian senior team uh, this week at the Deutschland Cup. 6'2 defenseman who can skate and has some offense. I think that's a guy I know a lot of teams are keying in on right now. Uh, he mentioned a price, Kane Price playing like 25, 30 minutes a night right now for Kelowna. He's kind of turning up what direction. He had a strong Holinka. Uh, Lucas Dragasevich in Tri-City. I think it's like a point and a half per game now in the Western League. So that's the kind of guy who's generating some interest. Um, and, and, I, and I like Dmitry Simashev too. Uh, not as much offense, but he's played some, you know, a lot of games in the KHL. Big defenseman who can skate. Um, I think there's that's a guy who's, who's intriguing me too. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this year the it, it is just a, such a weird year for defensemen. I mean, like one of the guys that you know we look Maxime Sturback is a guy Sioux Falls where we thought you know we're still kind of waiting for him to pop. It, it hasn't necessarily happened yet. Six points in ten games is not nothing. Not, it's not nothing. It's not nothing. But you know, I think that there's there have definitely been some elements where he's adjusting to the sure. North American game a bit more. Um, and uh, as Corey correctly predicted, he's no longer committed to the University of Vermont. So. Uh, all of a sudden, there's a huge uh, recruit on the on the market for a lot of college teams to to look after. Um, you know, I think uh, Lindstein is going to be a guy that I'm going to be tracking very closely. Sure. He's not here at the U18 Five Nations, unfortunately. Um, you know, which has allowed a guy like Sandine Pelica to emerge a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that this year, you know, it's 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 just tough. I I I don't know what to make of this this D class, but I think. Reinbacher in particular, the guy that I know you're really high on, um, you know, maybe he breaks up that kind of uh, malaise. And Peter mentions Fisher. I think that's a guy who has some sneaky upside to go high in the draft. I think with him, we know this, there's skating there. We know there's he's got decent size. The question is just how much offense is there right now. And he's producing a little bit of offense yeah. to start this season. But, you know, if we if I feel confident that there is legitimate offense, and then you look at him compared to, say, Caden Price, compared to, say, Theo Linston, you ask, what's the difference here exactly? Right. That's a good point, yeah. All right, we opened with the Devils. Let's close with the Devils. Mac Blackwood's left heel asks simply, <laughs> "Are the Devils for real?" I think so. I do too. I mean, you got you got. What's interesting is like you know they've they've missed Andre Palat for a significant chunk of this season, and they're still doing what they're doing right now. 
I mean, they're dominating possession. They're getting a ton of scoring chances and shots. The team looks for looks awesome. Nico Heischer is looks like Nico Heischer again, just an absolute star. He looks better than Nico, <laughs> like even better than before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he's a star. Yeah, they got they got two star centers, a great surrounding core. John Marino's fitting really well into into that blue line. Um, they just need someone who can stop some pucks. Does that have to stop all the pucks? Does he have to stop an average amount of pucks? Just stop some pucks. Yeah. And I think this is a, this is a, this is a playoff team. Yeah, yeah, I, I I couldn't have said it better myself, so I won't. You look at the underlying numbers; they're a clone of the Carolina Hurricanes right now, and maybe with a little bit more finishing ability too on that team. Uh, what I think the East is going to be a bloodbath. Like there's going to be one, two, or three really good teams in the East that are not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, and in the West, it's yeah, it's breakfast. Yeah, so <laughs> it's yeah, but I I mean I think that's that's the key though. Like uh, how are What's going to happen? One of these teams is going to have that fatal flaw, right? I mean, I mean, yeah. You could see a scenario of one or two of Washington, Pittsburgh, Tampa, maybe even Toronto don't make the playoffs. That'd again. be wild. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but like, given the start of New Jersey, given the start even of Buffalo, and and I think Ottawa's team still, you know, not winning games, but they look good. They can probably chip away a couple of points away from those contenders. That's a that's a brutal conference right yeah. now. How are those Fire Lindy chants going right now? I know, no kidding. <laughs> I, don't, I, haven't, I haven't heard one in a while. So. <laughs> yeah, seems like that's going to work out okay for him. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Athletic Hockey Show's Prospect Series. You can follow us on YouTube at youtube.com slash at the Athletic Hockey Show. You can also catch more of Chris over at Flow Hockey and his podcast, Talking Hockey Sense. And right now, you can subscribe to The Athletic for $1 a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. We will talk to you soon.